How entertaining will the Big Ten and Big East postseason tournaments be? Yes. Less than a month from Selection Sunday. Uh, Nebraska is just knocking Penn State, Wisconsin out. Um, Rutgers is probably firmly in. But that's next up for uh, Nebraska. Then they do get a home game against uh, Maryland upcoming. Just like it is a joy to watch when Tominaga is on a heater, it's always a joy to talk with Jacob Bigelow. See what I did there? Good morning, sir. That, yeah, I appreciate that. Good morning to you guys. Hell of a song choice for that rejoin by Jimmy. I don't know if he's taking a shot at me. For no, the it's week, just for you. Weekend, no. For the sports weekend I had. Um, but You, you uh, get no. one from me. Thank you. The fortunate Thank son. You, hey, uh, I appreciate it. Hey, uh, <laughs> from one to another, congratulations. Yes, congratulations, Gary. I said I I came on the show last week and I said let's have a week, and man, did we have one? Uh, so. We did. <laughs> hey, before we dive into Saturday, there's an element of Saturday, and I, I and I think you have a little bit of background because you were around then. And I don't want this to come across as a leading question, but <laughs> if Tim Miles was still the basketball coach at Nebraska, and Michael Lewis was his number one assistant, is Chucky Hepburn at Nebraska? Sure was trending that way. Um, it definitely, it definitely was uh, headed in that direction. Like you said, I was I was a part of the program. You know, when Coach Lou got there, and he kind of took over the in-state, uh, the in-state recruiting to kind of try and rebuild. You know, the rebuild what had gone wrong for Coach Miles uh, up to that point, and you know, unfortunately it wound up kind of being too little too late, but, uh, coach Lou, you know, he, he consistently referred to Chucky as his guy. Um, uh-huh. he was like, they had a great relationship and, uh, I, I, it certainly seemed to be headed that way. And then, um, you know, obviously the more that that last season with coach miles went along, the more it kind of had a, a lame duck feel to it. And, uh, unfortunately that allowed, uh, the fellows up in Madison to, you know, join join in the uh, the recruitment. Compare Chucky to every savvy, smart Wisconsin guard mm-hmm. that they've had for the last twenty years, and say, "Hey, we see you as this guy and this guy." I think the main guy they sold him on was saying that he reminded him of Jordan Taylor, mm-hmm. who, if you watch wow. them play on film, that's it's pretty, 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 you know, striking resemblance between the two. But um, yeah, it's just. Uh, the timing, the timing was unfortunate for Nebraska, and it allowed Wisconsin to give him quite a sales pitch, and it wound up being a great fit. Uh, it has to be more than Wisconsin performed the uh, FAFO on Saturday. How did Nebraska come back from down 17? They kind of they kind of got back to their you know after Michigan. Um, when Greasel was talking with the media, he kind of said, we got to get back to our identity. We got to get back to the defense, tenacity, physicality, that sort of thing. And that's what they did. That's what they did in the second half. They came out of that. They came out and this, how they were attacking the glass, how they were attacking inside. Um, obviously the tw- a 20 to two scoring run in a five minute span. Um, I mean, it, it was bookended by back to back case, a three. Started with back-to-back K-State threes and ended with back-to-back K-State threes, and by the end of it, Nebraska had their first lead of the game. They they just got back to their roots and did what what had brought them some success so far this season. And you know, it just so happened that they were down 17, but 
some, some, I don't know if it was what Fred said at halftime, but they flipped quite the switch. You know, it, the thing I want to get back to kind of the Nebraska-Wisconsin feel to it, we've been talking about this. I mean, look, there's not really – I don't know if, if of a rivalry per se exists with these two teams when it comes to, to basketball, but it does seem to kind of draw the ire, I think, of both fan bases, maybe even more so with Nebraska. It, it, when you when you see these games being played out over the last couple of years, it, I mean, out of any other team, even Iowa, is, is there a little bit more of a rivalry feel, in your opinion, with this group in, in particular? I, I'd say, I mean, it's kind of got a similar feel to, like, it's, Similar feel to Wisconsin football in the way that it's looked the same for yeah. tw- like twenty years. the 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 names change, but the style of play stays the same. The personalities stay the same. It's 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 you know it's not you know from a Nebraska perspective, it's like it's like why why do they keep they keep having the success when it's so boring and it's the same thing and it's you know the maybe the coach is just the uh, a born dude who's not very likable, or something, you know, something like that. You know, it, I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, it kind of, it, it adds to the, you know, I think it's definitely added to it. Mm-hmm. I will, I will say this. You know, I'll go back to my manager days. That was where my favorite road win happened. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. definitely where my favorite road win happened. We were down, we were down, I think ten with at the under eight came back and won at the Cole Center and silent and silenced it in there. It was a big James Palmer second half. And it that was that was probably the most satisfying road win that I got to be a part of as a manager. Jacob Bigelow joining us. You can follow uh, Jacob on Twitter at Jacob A. Bigelow. Uh, also his work with Husker Illustrated and a uh, very entertaining podcast with Jacob Padilla. You guys will have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, this is. Le- a- I, I will say this: lesser men than me would not have recorded a podcast episode right after their team won the Super Bowl. <laughs> but uh, we we did knock that out last night. Should be on your feeds today if you're subscribed. Yeah. So shameless plug. But we yeah, well, we knocked okay. that out after the Super Bowl last. Night. Well, that's good. Good. Good on you. I mean, don't let don't let the world champions get in your way. I appreciate that. Like I I, I didn't let the world champions get in my way to coming in here and doing the show. <laughs> All right, so this is another Monday. We have to talk about Tomanaga, and everybody knows I, I called him Palms Up Guy last year. He drove me absolutely nuts. But I, I'm evolving, and I'm an, I appreciate his effort. The kid plays hard, okay? There's sometimes that he, he, he does things that you go, what the? And then there are other times, like of late, where when you need a shot, you hit a shot. But he never stops moving. And I thought his defense was better on Saturday than I've seen in a while. So now in my head, Jacob, I'm already thinking ahead to next year because Fred's going to be back. But it can't just be, hey, we got another team that plays hard and they play together as a team. You got to go get some dogs because next year has to be the NCAA tournament. Tomanaga is one of those guys as his stock is rising. What do you honestly believe is his ceiling on a good basketball team? That's a great question. Um, I feel like he would make a good, like, I mean, with what we've seen from him, I mean, I think he can be your number two. I really do. I think if they can go out and get a bucket getter, or as we've both referred to the last couple weeks, a dude, a dog, something, you know, something like that, um, I think he can be your number two. And just what he brings and how his game's evolved without the ball, I think I think his ceiling is being your number two option. You know, it with the transition, and I don't even know if it's a transition, but and Sharpie kind of put a good just evolving 
what we've seen defensively, and even going back before Saturday's game too, uh, we were we were having this conversation late in the week last week as far as is it a sign of you know what, what Casey is showing that he can do right now offensively, and then now even you know showing that he's not a major liability on defense. Can you sort of put a narrative or a positive spin that that's hey case in point this is Fred his system and development or is there you know sort of an argument to be made about okay why wasn't case playing a little bit earlier in the season or having a bigger role earlier in the season and, and the point I brought up Jacob I don't know if you agree or disagree with this is that I felt like again going back to his defensive abilities and knowing what this team was trying to form identity wise at least this year I felt like Casey maybe didn't at least initially fit into that identity to where he would have the kind of presence that he now has. I'm curious your thoughts on that. I think uh, you could definitely make a case for both sides, but I think the biggest thing that stood out in that game on Saturday was that was the first time all year where Casey was probably at the top of the scouting report. Mm-hmm. You could tell by the way that Wisconsin was defending him. They were getting physical. They were trying to stay attached. Uh Going on, going under on screens. Um, Max Klesmet was 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 chirping him early on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were they were they were kind of poking the bear. And I don't know if that maybe was you know motivation for him to step his game up defensively. But I mean, we've heard we've heard people we've heard talk throughout the year that you know some teams in the Big Ten don't didn't take him seriously on either end of the floor. You saw some teams that would go right at him on defense and the way he was defended on, Oh, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know how you can just forget about, (laughs) forget about a guy who's, you know, known as a shooter, but you know, you could make a case for both sides of that argument. I mean, there's obviously going to be an adjustment period for anyone coming from the junior college level. um, Even if you put up, you know, stats like he did, but I mean, if you can if you can play two years of JUCO for Billy Gillespie, you can play for almost anybody. And case and case say, you know, he it, the adjustment period took a little longer than you know some people probably wanted. Uh, we've talked. I mean, I've compared his play to a roller coaster, to an EKG. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole the, the whole thing. But in the last three games, he's averaging 25 points on 48 percent from three and 60 mm-hmm. percent from the field. That's nuts. No matter who you are or what level you're at, and he's found another gear, and it's 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 a it's a it can be a testament to him as well as a, a testament to Fred. I mean, it can it it can go both ways. So for sure. so you lose Gary, you lose Bandemil, and so your roster is a little bit depleted because you didn't have McPherson even before the season began, and you you don't have a lot of those dogs. But who is this Fred Hoiberg, Jacob? Because you lose two really good defenders. Tominaga minutes take off. Wiltshire's minutes drop. Breidenbach's minutes drop. And something that I never thought I would see, Kata and Walker on the, sa- on the floor mm-hmm. at the same time on Saturday. Who is this Fred Hoiberg in the last three to four weeks? This is the nah, you know, no one wants to hear Chiefs fans talk about the Chiefs, but Andy Reid <laughs> likes to dig into his back. He gets, likes to get into that bag of, you know, throw it, throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And that's kind of what Fred Hoiberg's had to do. After the game against Wisconsin, he said that this year he's basically had to coach three teams. The, the team without Derek Walker for five games, the core group of guys all being healthy and available, and now this group. He mm-hmm. said this season has been like coaching three different teams at once. 
whether it's the, the big, big lineup with Kata and Walker that some people talked about, you know, some people asked him about before the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, going into the Penn State, after the Penn State game, he said they had practiced lineups where Sam Griesel was the five man. Um, I mean, there was, there was a stretch in the second half where the close, you know, it, where the, a crunch time lineup was Sam Hoiberg, Jamarcus Lawrence, Kase Tomanaga, and then Walker and Kata on the floor at the same time. Imagine going back to November and saying, hey, (laughs) stretch run, six games left to go. This is going to be your five on the court in crunch time. And not only are they going to be the five on the court, but it's going to work. And they're going to win a game by double digits at home when that lineup was on the court for an extended period of time. And it worked successfully. And with Blaze Keita, with his – Injury situation early, you know, the high ankle sprain, and I know that just his, his overall grittiness it gets him the first ever, you know, game ball, you know, that Fred has ever given out. When you kind of look at him going forward, too, I know when we see something, it looks like, hey, this could work. Obviously, a lot of this is going to depend on matchups as well, but I mean, how often do you expect to kind of now see the, you know, the, the two bigs lineup? And is it something that you think can evolve here, you know, as Nebraska tries to give something, at least throw something new at some opponents coming up here? Um, it's, it's, I think it's still going to be pretty matchup dependent. Yeah. Uh, there, aren't, there aren't a lot of teams like Wisconsin that have, you know, Crowell and, uh, Crowell and Wall inside and that kind of size. And that's probably part of why it worked against Wisconsin. Um, I know they had said you know, Fred had said Blaze was ready to come back for Michigan, and he only played three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was definitely matchup dependent. But I mean, that's just another thing that's going to be on opponent scouting reports. So you know, this is something they ran. This is something they ran well, and it's something other teams are going to have to prepare for. And um, you know, it's you know, it's an added option to throw, throw, throw out there, uh, depending on the situation and the matchup uh, going going through the rest of the year. Uh, who makes it to the second weekend out of the Big Ten? I know, I know, it's a lot about matchups, and we don't know that yet. Um, but there is just a jumbled mess. I mean, we woke up this morning, you and I, as Super Bowl champions, but also that Northwestern <laughs> is in second place uh, and is going to be in the tournament. They punched their ticket on the twelfth of February. How many teams make it to the second weekend out of the Big Ten? Uh, my definitive guess would be two. But my like list of teams that I think can make the second weekend is three, um, and I don't know what that says about the league. Um, I, but and I I haven't looked at the recent projections of how many you know teams are projected to get in. I don't know if it's still at eight or seven or what. But um, just watching watching the jumbled up mess that has been the league this season. I think Purdue, Indiana, and some version of Illinois, the good version of Illinois, are capable of making the second weekend. And then other than that, it's it's uh it's a crapshoot once you get below those those three teams. I mean this but is like, go ahead. Like you said, tournament is very ma- it's matchup dependent, the draws, the the whole deal and you know but at from at first glance, those three teams are the only teams that I look and I I, I think for sure can make the second weekend. I mean it's really looking like it'll be Nebraska, Ohio State playing in a, on the Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament. That's that's the way Ohio State's playing right now. That's a winnable game for Nebraska. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they Ohio State has, I mean, it, you know, you could say Nebraska broke Ohio State. They were broken before that. I yeah. mean, they, they, were, they were teetering. I mean, I was waxing poetic about Bryce Sensabaugh for the two weeks leading up to that game, and 
that that team and Centibus play have just gone off the deep end, and it's not not good vibes out in Columbus, Ohio right now. Not good vibes. I appreciate the conversation. Compared to last week's conversation, I think you've made undeniable progress in how you've been able to answer our questions. No, well, th- well thank you. No, I, uh, I, uh, I appreciate that, and uh, always good hopping on to talk some ball with you guys. Have a good rest of the show. Uh, and, uh, but, have a good week. By guys. the way, do you think they will put an undeniable progress banner up at TV? <laughs> I, would, I would love to see Trev channel his inner W, and instead of mission accomplished, it says undeniable progress. I would, I would, love, would love to see that. T-shirt. That's hey. A- yeah, that's hey. how he announces year five. Hey. The undeniable progress. <laughs> maybe he sh- maybe he shouldn't do anything like that because he awarded black shirts and the two guys get injured for yeah. the year, and then he says undeniable progress and Nebraska goes to Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, yep. the Chrysler the Chrysler Center is one of the two arenas in the league where they've never won. So okay, but we're they, talking about were, Michigan this year. Yeah, we're talking about a not great Michigan team, but no, the the, the point remains. But appreciate the time, guys. Have a good rest of the show. Thanks, Jacob. Hey, Undeniable. I mean, I know. But then they came out on Saturday, down 17, and gave you undeniable progress. It it just shows you what a train wreck the first three years were. These guys would play hard. um, They're focused. They play as a team. You don't have bad cancer in the locker room. Uh, Now, the next step is you start to look at guys like Akeda or uh, Tominaga or a Dawson or a Lawrence, guys that are eligible to come mm-hmm. back next year. And you now have to start projecting them because none of those guys, to me, fits the number one or number two. Derek Walker's going to be a huge loss. Yep. I mean, Greasel has given you everything, mm-hmm. but Derek Walker gives you things that don't show up in the box score. And, and Saturday was the prime result of that. Is next year, has there, there's not even a debate. Nebraska basketball if you bring it back for year five off a of four, potentially four straight losing seasons and you say, all right, we're making progress, i got to get some dudes, is you got to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all sitting here, and there's other places in this conference that are sitting here going, Chris Collins was going to get fired. Yeah. Chris Collins lost his best player to Duke and North Carolina. Chris Collins is in second in the Big Ten Conference. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, and that that's always been my thought. I, I've had this conversation for the past month now of the you know the the hot question before last week was you know is Fred coming back? Is Fred coming back? And I always said yeah, probably, but I always feel like if you do run that back, if this does indeed become a losing season for the fourth straight year under Fred Hoiberg, okay, you can bring it back, but those expectations and that the difference between undeniable progress. And actually, having a postseason landing spot of significance are two completely different things. Undeniable progress better mean that that's what you are accomplishing in year five. That is an NCAA tournament appearance. So that's the thing. Yeah, it's great that you come back for year five, but unlike year four, where you didn't necessarily have to be in the NCAA tournament to show the, the type of progress or significant improvement that was going to help you be safe. All right. If there's still some things that you're, you know, as far as the injuries and you're kind of working your way through and you're showing some toughness, you're showing a little bit more, uh, again, consistency. And and there's some things that you can draw off of great, but at some point the optics are the optics. And if you go into a year five, bring it back, it has to mean something, meaning it has to end in the NCAA tournament. Joel Lorenzi will join us before the uh, hour is over. Uh, Different vibe. 
uh, with the team here in town who has makings of a Final Four team now. And and don't be afraid to Ooh. say that out loud. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to say that I out loud. Slip that in there. Oh, I mean, all right. Big East regular season, Big East tournament. There's they 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 showed me more on Saturday than I think I've garnered from. Now I've picked up a lot. I mean, I I know who they are. They showed me another element that makes me believe that they are built to play multiple weekends in the NCAA. I would say the last two wins. So, yeah. Joel, join us here in uh, just a little bit. Mornings with Sharp and Hanley on sixteen twenty, the zone.